the podcast on Scripture and Reason, discussing life and Jesus' church in our age. Well, I wish I could say that I coined this phrase, and I just heard it the other day. It might have been MacArthur. I'll give it to you. Uh, I don't want John MacArthur calling me and saying God's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he but just yeah. keeps calling all the time right. anyway. Yeah. Hey, right. can you help me with this yeah. sermon yeah. study? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any content. We are here to give uh, an introduction to the Bible. Oh, you mean basic instructions before leaving Earth? If we could put a bullet in that. And bury it and never look at it again. Correct. Horrible. Horrible theology with that. Yes. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. So the Bible then is uh, relegated to helping me live as a better person on Earth. It has no lasting impact whatsoever. Right. I mean, this is just such a trite statement that, that people believe is true, and you see it on Facebook posts if you're on Facebook, or if people send it out in memes or whatnot like that. FaceTube or Facetube version. or version or whatever that is. I mean, and it's just not a true statement. I mean, the Bible itself is a testament to God himself and God's glory. That doesn't mean there's not instruction in there. Like the God... That helps those who help themselves. Uh, you mean Benjamin Franklin's God? <laughs> yes. So, uh, so, 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 yeah, so, great, great segue into why it is so important to know your Bible, to be aware of what it says. Right. Rather than just uh, picking and choosing sort of funny ideas or things that we think are helpful to us. Uh, 66 books in the Bible. 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. Yep. Testament comes from what? The Greek means covenant, so Old Covenant and New Covenant. Not, yeah. Which can, which, which can confuse some people. Yes. Old, old Covenant, New Covenant. Um, because, you know, again, in Scripture, we see that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So his his mode of saving people has never changed. Correct. His but grace I, through faith. I guess you could say that the Bible is uh, is a book of progressive revelation. Certainly, you know where you get it, where it goes deeper and further. You know in its uh, in what it tells us about God, His ways, what God is, has done, what God is continuing to do. I always, uh, not always, but they would relate it to the idea that, um, you know, when you first go to school, they don't start teaching you calculus. They start teaching you basic math first, and then you progressively get farther along and deeper into it in much the same way the uh, Bible, always pointing to Jesus, although not every verse is a verse about Jesus. Right. Right, absolutely. And I mean, you see, so it's not a chronological book either. So if I'm talking to someone who's really has no familiarity with their Bible whatsoever, the, the, the Bible is not ordered in some chronological way. And there's all kinds of odd versions of, of the Bible around, right? You've got people who have attempted to make chronological uh I, they feel very schizophrenic to me. I don't know if you've ever looked at the chronological oh, yeah. Bibles. But um, the book of Genesis, though, is interesting, right? There's some chronology there. There's the account of creation, which is, in its own right, very cool. And it, it's one of those super interesting stories because um, 
there's there is uh, some surface level to it, and then uh, it, it, upon careful read, it just becomes more and more interesting. So you've got the creation, you've got the fall, and you've got a picture of both current redemption in a sense, in that you know God allowed men to continue to live now with an expiration date, and casting forward the promise of the um, serpent in the heel. Absolutely, uh, yeah the. Uh... The proto-evangelion, that that pre-gospel to the gospel that is coming, that fixing, that uh, Genesis 3.15, I believe is what you're referring to. Yeah, you have, uh, I think you touched on earlier too, uh, important, uh, I think you use the term surface level, and I think that's where a lot of people uh, leave their view of the Bible at. So let's, right out in the open here, the Bible was not written for children, so don't treat it like a children's book. You know, it does take work, and it takes work to understand some of the genres that are in the Bible. You know, you have historical books, you have poetic books, you have apocalyptic books, you have uh, 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 eschatological books, you have uh, various and sundry things that are in there to understand those genres, to understand what is being said and uh, uh, what the what the meaning is of that. That doesn't mean it can't be. It can't be understood because you have the, uh, the perspicuity scripture. Scripture understands scripture. Yeah. Scripture is understandable by uh, by anyone. I think I believe it's uh, is it Nehemiah eight or is it Ezra eight, where it says where it talks about the the ability to understand the scripture uh, by reading it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. We so even just uh, just recently. I'm doing some discipleship work together. Um, we've kind of taken um, a tour quickly through the church's statement of faith with uh, with a gentleman. I almost said with a young man, with a gentleman, mm-hmm. um, very gentle man. Yes. And uh, and this particular gentle man, um, we, we've taken to posing some questions in the form of a scenario. Correct. And uh, one of the scenarios was um, you're talking with a, um, you know, a missionary from a cult group who suggests that um, God is one and one and not three and one, and he acts in different modes. Uh, uh, modalism. Sometimes he's the father, sometimes he's the son, sometimes he's the spirit. And so, uh, th- and this is getting to the point of the surface read, right? You can read from the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and said, And then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And you can say, okay, cool, let us make man after our image and our likeness, and, and that's a, a fine reading. But also you can you can read, take from that, that there's some plural usage there on purpose. So God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and you can begin to pick and pull at that and say, well, why, why is God saying us, and why is God saying our? And so you know, this is one verse in the beginning of the book, which you can dive a little bit deeper in. And that is one of the things that's so incredible about Scripture. The depths are so deep, and we never have to be concerned that we're going to break this word. It's internally completely consistent. And that the veracity there is one of the reasons why we can be so sure in this word. Yeah, true. And it's inexhaustible. I believe it's inexhaustible. You can study it for your, the entirety of your life and multiple lifetimes. And not exhaust what it has to uh, to teach, uh, for you to understand, 
uh, that gives you the perspective about God and his, uh, his holiness, uh, his righteousness, his glory. Yeah, it's just an amazing book. And until you have the Spirit upon you, until the Holy Spirit's upon you, uh, I don't believe you can see that. You know, it just it, you know when it be it, because it, it is it is a book, but it's uh, so much more than that. Yeah, yeah. I think of uh, Scripture itself says that it divides to the division between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Hebrews chapter four verse twelve. Uh, God's word is living and active, not dead works, but still at work. It still continues to work. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I mean, does this sound like a basic instruction before you leave earth? It does not. Not we, to I. Uh, we know from uh, Revelation, you know, we have the continued... Uh, Jesus as the Word. Uh, we know 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We know that it is through the preached Word that God has chosen to save people. So it is. There's a continual of pointing to the Word. The Word became enfleshed in, in Jesus, right? So, I mean, you have this, uh, the Word is that important, and then we have it in front of us right here you know, in, our, in, our, uh, in our Bibles. Yeah, and the Bible is one of the other reasons why it's so incredibly interesting is um, that it is um, the truth that God would communicate, protected by him, um, transmitted through people who, they're, it's not like they turned into this automatron, right? And they went into some awkward trance and their arms just kind of flew around at this rapid, furious pace while they wrote down yeah, what God not, was communicating to not them. Not auto-dictation. Right, 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 which would have looked strange, I imagine. Yeah. And so you've got this book that is presented, these 66 books presented through several different perspectives and lenses, uh, run through different personalities, right? You, you Depending on our, on our books, uh, you know, because there's some of, the, some of the books we're not exactly sure. Yeah, let's, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to come back to that for a second. So the Bible... 66, 66 books contain one volume, not written all at one time. It isn't one book that was written at one time, but 66 books that are collected into one thing that we call the Bible. It comes from the Greek Biblia, meaning books, right, is what we have here. So, uh, you know, written over the course of thousands of years, uh, depending on who you attribute some of the books to, which we're not quite sure who the author is, anywhere between... 34 and 40 different authors, right? Some of whom lived in completely different time periods. Never and different areas. Other. Yeah, different continents. Different continents, right. And so you have this thing and you have this consistency of Scripture, which uh, which, which shows that uh, the consistent nature of God's Word, I believe it shows the inerrancy and the accuracy of what is there. Plus the writings themselves would reflect, rather than auto-dictation, uh, reflect the personalities of those writers. Uh, the classic example is Matthew. When we look at Matthew, Matthew is a tax collector. There is no other of the gospel writings that talks more about money than Matthew does. You know, you have a reflection of his of his personality that comes through. 
Interesting. But so still, Doctor Luke. Yeah, Doctor Luke. There, still infallible, inerrant, inerrant word in God, uh, word of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Very interesting. I mean, that's a, and that's a an incredibly interesting aspect of it. Also, catching um, the the human traits of the authors, their their failures as well. Right. I mean, and, and that's I think one of the things that captured me very early on in Scripture is. My gosh, um, if I was going to write a book that I want, because I think so often one of the, you know, quote unquote classic examples of what people would say about scripture before they've personally interacted with scripture is that it's written to control the masses, right? It's a, it's a, it's a book of rules and morals that's designed to help uphold a society. And, and that's an interesting argument, except that if you were going to do that, I don't think that you would give so much attention and dictation to these people's individual failures in complete Jerry Springer lives. Right. Uh, Peter, prime example of, of the failings of Peter, denying the Lord, just like oh just like Jesus said, said he was going to do. I think back to— I feel end, like I'd wipe that part out. Right. <laughs> and you have interesting things, uh, you know, that when you find out and you dive into the scriptures, like uh, out of uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, if you look— uh, in Mark chapter 14, verse 51, Mark is considered to be that uh, a, a sermon or the teaching of Peter himself that Mark has recorded, right? But if you look in uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 51, this is uh, the arrest of Jesus. And it says in verse 51, a young man was following him, meaning following Jesus, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. Uh, a lot of scholars would believe that this is this is the notation of Mark himself. That this was Mark himself that was there when this occurred. Uh, that it because it really this fifty one and fifty two. When you look at it, it doesn't advance the story. It's an odd note. Yeah, it's, it's an odd nugget. note, and it's and they believe it's the signature of the author that he was there when this occurred. Uh, you know, and you find these things out of scripture, you know, it just gives you, sometimes when you look at this, it just gives you goosebumps when you think about what it is and uh, how it's been given to us that, you know, in, when we, in other podcasts, when we talk about the translation of the scripture, the fact that we have it in our own language, the language of our birth to understand. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and I think one of the things, so, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, you've got uh, the, the old covenant, you've got the new covenant, you've got your, your 66 books. Um, 39 old, 27 new, um, and that there is some depth to it. But I think what's important also to note is that it's not some secret knowledge. There's no mystical under-knowledge no. that only some people know about. Which you find in a lot of other religions. There is not. It's not hidden, not mystical. Uh, there, isn't, uh, there, isn't, there isn't things or there's no codes. Uh, there's no... Uh, numerology that leads you to hidden treasure it's not it's not there you know what is there is is clear and ununderstandable uh with what we get i think i heard this one time before there aren't that doesn't mean there's there's not difficult things in here peter himself uh peter himself references the the difficulty of some of paul's writings and how people twist them but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth working uh, working at to understand it. And, and I heard it said by a pastor, a teacher at some point in time, you know, 
it's the, the idea when you die and and you would say to God said well your book was kind of hard to understand he said yeah but you understood a lot of it what'd you do with the stuff you did understand you know what I mean right. I realize it's there's like, some hard things but I, I talk about uh, I, I think about it all the time um, my youngest daughter um, you know she's preschool um, so she's she's kind of a funny person to watch an interesting little case study and you'll say something like, Hey, we're going to clean up the living room and this upsets her. Uh, and so what she will do is go to the largest, heaviest object, grab it and just struggle to move it. Mm -hmm. Now there's paper strewn all throughout the living room. All of the books are in complete chaos and disarray, but we go to the one largest thing that we can't do. That's heavier than her. <laughs> yes. yes. And throw up our arms. And we can do that with scripture as well. Say, well, I can never, I could never understand this. And and the interesting thing is, um, you know, as we've said, that the the writer's personalities were used. I mean, we're not talking about oftentimes, I mean, sometimes we are. Paul was absolutely a scholar, but we're not talking about top shelf stuff here. God was not trying to communicate in a way that would be confusing. Correct. Um, in, in fact, we call scripture an accommodation. God is accommodating to us so expressly so that we can know him. Correct. And and I think this is one of the areas where church, the way that church is structured after Ezra taking the scribe, reading from it, and then explaining its sense to the gathered people, church is to help us to understand. So your brow is furrowing. Oh, no, I'm just thinking about that, you know, where you have the reading of the scripture than those that, that help the people to understand what it was, where, where you have that exact thing. And that, that that's the idea, Yeah, you know, uh, is that there are some difficult things. That's, of course, why we do expositional preaching here to go verse by verse through the scripture and to explain it uh, uh, so that the people would have understanding. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's in the sermon— that is the pastor's second job, is, is to make sure the sense is explained. His first job is to make sure he is pulling from Scripture to present the truth that is there. His second job is to make sure that it is understood. The uh, I'm just looking here for a passage. You know, and This, I think, gives an example. It's out of the sermon last week uh, that we had, Psalm 119, 109. That guy was great. He's great. I understand what you're quoting. 119, 109, it says, uh, My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. That first uh, that first part of that, that verse, 109a, my life is continually in my hand. That is one where it takes um, it takes some work to understand what it is. And we what we do understand that uh, uh, from scholarship there uh, is that that's an idiom. <laughs> It's a, it's an idiom that means that that his his life is constantly in danger, uh, is what it is. Not that he is he has full control over his life, but it's a Hebrew idiom that is used in there. And so that's what we that's part of the pastor's job. That's part of the teacher's job to to help to understand these things because we do recognize that there is a distance between, for example, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and the English language. And it's, but it's important enough that we work to to bridge that gap to to get it so that we can understand it as best as possible. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the sermon on on a Sunday, I say Sunday because that's when that's when the we Lord's do. Day, the Lord's Day. Yep, 
um, the sermon on the Lord's Day, part of what someone should, so as someone who sits through a sermon, um, we should be a listening to a study through scripture. If it's, you're just listening to somebody's good ideas, I guess if you want to stay, you can, you could just as easily listen to NPR. They're probably better storytellers. Correct. But we should be actively listening to what's being taught so that we could take it and we can compare it to the word so that we can take it and extend that study into our life that week. It's a, it's, this is a very active, active thing. Um, that, that we do as we sit under teaching of Scripture. We, we participate. We are involved. We note-take. Um, you know, we look for something that we can study, look further into. Uh, Acts uh, reminds me uh, of very, uh, uh, verses of the Bible. You always bring up Acts 17, uh, 1711, Acts 1711, Paul in Berea, and it says, Now though these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. You know, so hearing what the pastor's saying, comparing it to scripture, this is also how we protect ourselves from... Uh, Heresy and false teaching and, and whatnot, too. And, and this is one of the things that I so greatly appreciate about Scripture. I mean, we started to talk earlier about, um, you know, the the writers. Nothing, almost nothing is hidden about the writers. Uh, all, the, all their, you know, boogers and, and scars and, and, and bumps and bruises were all exposed. Um, right. and, and I love that about Scripture. I love that Paul, right, the... Of all people, you would think maybe Paul could say, "Don't don't question me, just take take for face value what I'm saying." Right? I'm an apostle. I had uh, this long period of of direct teaching. I think you can trust what I'm saying. I don't think you have to compare it to the word. Mm. But that is not what Paul that said. Is not what he says at all. In fact, what he gave was a framework for being safer from false teachers by relying back against Scripture. Not just taking what someone says at face value, but knowing you as a as a consumer of a sermon, knowing enough of your scripture, and then taking that and going back to the scripture and saying, "Okay, is this so?" I think that is fantastic. So, what you're really saying is that we can know what truth is through scripture. Absolutely, very much not basic, not, not necess- basic instruction before <laughs> leaving Earth. You know, it is uh, it is so, so much more than that. That doesn't mean there isn't instruction in here, but it's so, so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I watched on an airplane recently, I watched this whole um, series on, on the Jonestown Massacre, which to me is interesting because the massacre, mass suicide slash massacre, uh, took place on the day of, day and year of my birth. So... I find that slightly interesting. Um, but you watch what this guy did, Jim Jones. Um, and if you ever listen to his recordings, I mean, he's every bit as freaky as you would think he would be. He, he is, quote-unquote, preaching. He's taking so many amphetamines to stay awake that he wears sunglasses so people can't see just the nastiness that is his eyes. Right. Because the guy doesn't sleep. Um, and and the, we listen to the words that he says... So, I mean, it just amazes you that people just go with it. He's attributing God-like attributes to himself. 
Um, they're manufacturing healings. And you would think that, I mean, and, and there's mass numbers of people that were involved in this. This wasn't a small movement, if you will. And so if we would take the framework that Scripture gives us and apply it back to life, you would be safe from these things. But rather than true truth, we want something else. Correct. Well, and we don't want to put the work. We don't want to put the work into it. You know, I've had uh, a number of people in my life that says, "Oh, it's so hard to understand scripture and stuff like this," but they can easily spend, you know, three and a half hours watching the latest sports ball game, and they can tell you all the names of the players of sports ball and all the names and their statistics and where they went to college and where they went to high school and how they came out, and it becomes a, a level a thing of importance. Those things will all fade away, but God's word will never fade away. It tells us that clearly that his word will never fade away. So as believers, as being found in Christ, then perhaps we should devote ourselves to understanding scripture and to living a life that uh, that reflects uh, that reflects that scriptural basis, right? That uh, that we have a God's word centered life, a uh, I think the sermon the other week where we have a worldview that is based on scripture, not scripture that's based on our worldview. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. Say that one more time. So we should have a worldview that's based on our Bible, not a Bible that's based on our worldview. And I think the latter happens very frequently. All the time, yeah. In, inside of, and I forget uh, on, on a couple of other uh, sessions ago, I, I said what I was going to commit to calling churches that, that aren't um, maybe social organizations. But there are lots of social organizations that take that perspective. Absolutely. Lots of social organizations that have a Bible that fits their worldview. Correct. Because they begin with one and not the other. Right. Again, it's the wrong Jesus. Right. right? Absolutely the it's, wrong Jesus. It's iso-Jesus, not exo-Jesus. Right. You know, the fact <laughs> of the matter is when I do a, do a reading of the Scripture of God's Word, it will naturally... Uh, cut me because of the sinful nature of me. I'm going to read things that will that will tell me about myself, and I'm not going to like them until I am found in Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then I realize that this is for you know, this is for the better for me. I guess would be a way to say it. Go ahead. You look like you're saying something. Yeah. Something. yeah uh, First Thessalonians five. Um, this last bit of instruction is hard to not start in 12, but I, I don't think I will. Um, uh, starting in verse 14, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good, to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. I like that. Test everything. Um, in environments of spiritual abuse, falsehood, again, I, I, I won't call them churches, in social organizations that are all about people control 
And sometimes people control is for financial gain. Sometimes people control is for power. Um, you will not hear this sentiment echoed. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any content.